Welcome back to the square. It's uh, the week of October 23rd, the week where we're having like 75 degree weather in the late October I'm in Buffalo. It. It's great. Um, no re this week. Uh, he, uh, he drove off a cliff. He's fine, but uh, he's taking the day. <laughs> uh, so it's Snake. Hey. Uh, it's me, Diamond Jim, and filling in as guest host, MCAT. Hello again. So uh, we're going to get right into it because we haven't done news of the week in a couple of weeks because we took last week off. And then before that, we told you everything that's terrible about Buffalo. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of news to cover. And yeah. We're going we're to we're try to run through it pretty quickly. Uh, but one of the last things we talked about when we did talk about the news was Michael Murphy at Shays. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we had Jen Ora. What a situation. They let that thing burn to the ground before they got rid of this guy. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're like, everything's fine. He's great. He's like a transcendental leader. He's fired. Everything is fantastic here. Wait, is it was it confirmed that he was fired? I just read that he was gone, and they didn't say whether it was yeah, a resignation or yeah, a firing. Right, right, yeah. It's, I don't think it's confirmed he's fired. It's just that he, like, everybody who works at Shays raised their hand, not so fast Michael Murphy. <laughs> well, well you, you know, like we explained before, um, they were touting his ability to fundraise, and and it, and, and it seems like that just coincided with a, a crazy run of good shows that, of course, everyone would purchase right for. Right, yeah. I'm also a good fundraiser if you give me exclusive rights in the area to having Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that didn't hurt. Yeah. Uh, someone, oh, the board chair had so the board the board was very much backing him, which mm-hmm. is kind of why I'm. I wonder if maybe he resigned because it did not seem that they were going to like yeah. let him go. Um, but <laughs> the board chair said something like uh, after, you know, praising him and saying how great he's been for Shays and how they've had great seasons. And well, I mean, not the COVID seasons, but that he like brought them through COVID and um, but then said, Michael is the first to admit that he can sometimes be short with people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which no problem there. Like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, and then when like 25% of your staff leave, right? I don't know, something needs to be done. So, um, but anyway, because I don't know if he resigned or if he quit, I wouldn't be surprised if he like gets a, a big yeah, uh, theater job somewhere outside of Buffalo well, and, in the and, next couple and, of months. And also probably got like, you know, again, because they're not really talking, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that he got like like 12 months, two years compensation to leave. And that he got, you know, uh, you know, maybe not the largest golden parachute that we've seen in Buffalo, but uh, the largest one you'd see at a cultural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and okay. So the other thing I wanted to bring up about this is that they didn't have an HR department before now, <laughs> which is shocking. Uh, I mean, I know they're not huge, but I feel like they're big enough to have their own HR department, which I'm sure they're probably going to have now. Right. Yeah. Uh, at uh, least a person who does that. Right, yeah. At least a person. Right, with at least with the, maybe that they just hire somebody with the initials HR and they're like, like you're <laughs> your HR department. Any of you Horace Romances out there? <laughs> right, yeah. Feel free to reply to Shays. That's a great name, isn't it? Yeah, Horace Romance. I just came up with that. Yeah, it's, it's it sounds like he plays for the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk uh, uh, politics real quick. Um, we'll talk about the Legend of Zelda. Uh, so uh, there's been some polls that have come out. Uh, the first one that the Zeldin campaign uh, climbed down to was the Quinnipiac poll that came out last week that had him within four points of Kathy Hochul. Um, seems dangerous. I pointed out uh, on the Discord that uh, in 2010, which is the last gubernatorial election in New York, that was kind of similar to this in that, like, this isn't quite an open seat. Um but Hochul is, she's the incumbent, she's, but she's never been elected to that position, so it's kind of anomalous. Uh, Quinnipiac did polling. That was the Paladino-Cuomo race. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of weeks before the Republican primary, Quinnipiac said, Lazio's up 12 points. He lost by, like, 20. And then, like, a, a roughly similar timing to this, although maybe just a slightly earlier, they had that Cuomo was only up six points on Paladino at that time. And he ended up winning sixty three and a half to thirty three. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, they were kind of close, <laughs> right? So, they're not close. Um, you know, like I know that like five thirty eight gives Quinnipiac like an A rating, but like mm-hmm. I, I, 
if I recall correctly, like Quinnipiac also had Paladino up by like five points over Langworthy in the in the primary for the congressional seat. So like they're like their polling in New York hasn't been awesome recently. Uh, the same day that the Quinnipiac poll came out and said that Hoko was only up by uh, four, Sienna came out and said she was up by eleven. Now mm-hmm. the the th- my and Marist had her up by ten. Right. My takeaway from all of this is that being even up 11 in New York state is that Hochul is underperforming a generic Democrat. Like it, it, if we had a, like, you know, a random like animal, uh, everybody says dog, I'll go with llama. If we had a random like llama from uh, Livonia in Livingston County, uh, I want to get all my L's in there, uh, was running for governor of the state of New York as a Democrat you would expect them to be doing at least as well as Hochul is doing. So she's a bad candidate. I, I can't imagine. She should win, but if she pulls us out, she gets one full term, and they tell her never again. Mm-hmm. Unless, like, uh, unless, like, during her first term, like, she comes up with a vaccine for, like, cancer that even the anti-vaxxers are like, no, this is really good. <laughs> I, well, how much of this do we think is her not being a very strong candidate, which she isn't. Um, but also just the general, um, I don't know the the general, uh, interest in Democrats right now, like falling because that's happening across the country too. So she's, she's, she's running at a poor time for Democrats, I guess, but she's also, she's she's not very interesting. She just kind of is like very middle of the road and not like making herself, Right. Well, she's running based from anyone else. She's running basically as a Republican, just uh, as a Demo- like her, her title is Democrat, but she's like picking like very like other than you know taking a very pro-abortion or like, pro-choice stance. I don't know that she's necessarily pro-abortion. Sta- like she's not that far left. Well, on the gun issue, I don't think she's very Republican. Right? <laughs> that that's an exception. Well, right now she's right now. but she's switched on. She's and yeah. depending on who she's talking to, she brings up her history on being pro-gun and or not. Yeah, yeah. Um. It's interesting because at the national level, because I've been looking at it, like the Democrats are still favored to, to hold the Senate and maybe even expand their role in the Senate, but still lose the House, which should make for an interesting two years. Mm-hmm. Um, because, oh, my God, that's going to mean Marjorie Taylor Greene's in the leadership position. <laughs> um, oh, God. But one of the other things I, I was reading, and they think that's hurting Hochul in particular in, in New York City, is that piece of shit mayor that they've got down there, Eric Adams, who's framing like all of the issues that he has with crime and bail reform in the in the very exact terms that Republicans frame it as. So people are drinking the fear mongering Kool Aid, right. right? And so like anybody who is like a you know might have any reason to not be voting Democrat in the city of New York is listening to their mayor and saying, well, he basically sounds like the Republicans. So the Republicans must have a point here. Lee Zeldin must be correct about this. And Kathy Hochul is wrong. Um, and so like, you know, Eric, Adams, I got a lot of problems with Eric Adams. The only union he likes is the police union. Um, and, you know, he's, he's been on this like bell reform is bad uh, forever. Um, I mean, you know, but He's look. It's also like he looks like he's potentially tanking the governor's race in New York State because he's such a dumb piece of shit. Well, I saw that same the the Quinnipiac poll, which you know maybe we have issues with that, but it did it ranked crime as the top issue among voters over protecting democracy, which I think I mean. And you just spoke with I guess I won't say who. Just I don't. Well, I guess it's yeah. obvious who you talked with most yeah. recently because yeah. they will have been on the podcast, but. Um, among like everybody, crime and the economy are like the things that are polling the highest as people's concerns. So it's not surprising that she's like turning more conservative in that right. manner, because that's probably what I guess seems like people want to hear. Well, I mean, I, I, I question, I wonder like what's leading what there. The Republicans obviously are bringing up crime because they think it's a, a, an issue that they can win on. If the Democrats ignored crime and talked about like, and ignored, like, instead of saying, like, oh, inflation is bad, instead of talking about, like, how strong the economy is compared, like, like if they were, like, instead of saying, oh, inflation's very high, they're, like, you know, corporate profits haven't been this high in 50 years, and, and the, the, right? Which, which I have is, a note about that. Right, which is, a, which is another way of talking about, like, hey, maybe inflation actually isn't the issue that you think it is, yeah. but, uh, you know, there's ways that the Democrats could talk about this stuff or talk about other things, and then it wouldn't be the same thing. 
But the Democrats, have, as they always do, have fallen into this trap of letting the Republicans lead the discourse and, you know, and being complicit in it. And there's a lot of Democrats, like, you know, who want to get rid of bail reform anyways because they would love to put more people in prison because they hate people. And they're so they're they're out there doing the same thing and talking about the same topics where, if, like, if they got out there and talked about different things, and you see it a little bit in some stuff, like, you're like, Monica Wallace TV commercials are all about abortion and abortion rights. And, you know, like, and she is, she like, she is putting her, like her staking her claim on like, I don't have to talk about anything else in this election. And I, I went on this. And if she doesn't, it's because she ignored the topics, other topics, that's fine. But what it's doing is working in her is that she's got this fucking real Cretan who's running against her, who wants to like, ban all abortions and ban all birth control and she's baiting him into talking about just this mm-hmm. when he holds this viewpoint that is so uh, you know uh, anathema to like the majority of even like the conservatives and fucking lancaster are like no no you can't get rid of like birth control and condoms you nut mm-hmm. um, right so like she she's baited him into doing it she i mean she's She's done what the Republicans generally have do nationally and and in this state and locally is lead the discourse and bait them into talking about it with a losing viewpoint. So I wrote down there was a different poll, a Politico morning consult poll, mm. which was again about the economy. I was actually sh- like present pleasantly shocked that it that three quarters of respondents said corporations price gouging, raising prices to unreasonable levels to turn a profit was responsible for the current high inflation rate. I was like, wow. Okay. I didn't think that it would be that high. Yeah. And, um, corporate price gouging was also seen as responsible for causing inflation among a majority of people of different professions. Um, 63% 63% of voters felt that a lack of market competition for large companies was, was responsible for record inflation. I mean, those numbers are much higher than I think they would have been like maybe the last time we, I don't know, right. during the recession or any other time when the economy has been I mean, like the, a those, huge issue. That, that has to be the sound of music to Robert Reich's ears to hear like somebody talk, like saying like th- this it's is working. Right. Yes. I, I've been getting out there. I've been saying this stuff. I was on the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I mean, yeah, because that's, well, that's the other thing. Like, I, 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 I constantly rail about like the reason why like the like the investor class and the wealthy class are get worked up about uh, inflation. It, look, they're going to make more money each year than the rate of inflation. They're not worried about that. What they're worried about is they're not going to make as much money as they would like because, like, five ten years ago when interest rates were lower, they gave out long term loans at like three to five percent interest, and now inflation's higher than that, so they're actually losing money quote uh, losing money because they're not going to be making as much money, and that's why they want to get inflation under control is because if you signed up for like a thirty year old a thirty year mortgage at like three percent interest at like a, at the best possible time to get an interest rate. Inflation's good for you. You're paying back less than you would be paying because of the inflation rate. So, like, you're actually making money off of that, and that, like, you that just can't happen if you're a rich person. You can't let people actually gain anything. So, uh, sticking with uh, politics, um, let's talk about. We got a couple of updates with the Common Council, everybody's favorite legislative body. First. Uh, relevant to all Square listeners, uh, there was a redistricting lawsuit that was filed. Uh, the Square podcast was uh, referenced in the lawsuit. I did not see that. How yeah. about that? That's well, awesome. Uh, we were referencing a lot uh, from uh, when we talked about redistricting on the, on the show uh, and how the, the council had been pretty opaque and not been as transparent as they were supposed to be about this. Um, so, uh, but the redistricting lawsuits, it's been filed, um, you know, our city action, Buffalo leading the way there. Um, yeah, what do you think I'm cat about the redistricting lawsuit? Well, I read, um, the, about Syracuse, how Syracuse handled this in like comparison to Buffalo and how people are like very excited about what Syracuse did. Um, and I, I can't, I'm again, shocked pleasantly, <laughs> When anything like semi good happens, I'm like, wow, because the yeah. bar is so fucking low. 
Um, but they had, have, have you talked about this before? I don't think you have this like Syracuse manner of redistricting. They, so they had people apply to be on the redistricting redistricting committee and then uh, essentially picked like half the committee out of a hat of the applicants. So it was like completely blind. I don't know if they uh, like weeded people out if they were, I don't know if they had like crazy applications or something like that. But <laughs> right, yeah. Half the people were were blindly picked and then the other half were selected from the applicant pool from the the by the people who, you know, the first half of people. So it was just like regular people from from the area, I guess. Um, and then they put the maps together and they did a lot of like marketing to promote the fact that this was happening and they wanted people's input. Um, and they took people's input into consideration and then they presented the maps and then the council argued about it because they didn't some of them didn't like it, especially because they made huge changes. Yeah. It wasn't just like messing around the edges of current. Uh, districts. It was huge changes, including some things that are going to end up having uh, currently seated council members running against each other now. Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't like that. Right. But it's hard for the council then to be like, "We're going to vote this down after it was it went through a process like that." Right. They can say that they don't like it, but like now you're basic. You're really like flying in the face of your vote. Your voters, if, right. if you say no, so. Yeah, I mean, and and the redistricting in Buffalo, um, it was you know, like mayoral or all or council appointees, all council appointees there, uh, but done like they picked each one picked their favorite, and they had marching orders and like if you were picked by an individual council member, obviously you're there to protect that council member, uh, and then like they instead of being very transparent and promoting that what they were doing. Um, the maps can't kind of came out last minute without letting anybody really know what they had been doing. They they didn't promote like they had you know ten years ago or twelve years ago when they last time did it. You know they I think quite rightly got picked on by uh, our city action Buffalo. They got picked up uh, you know at, on social media. The Buffalo News did two editorials saying that the the Common Council was handling this incorrectly, um, and you know and because like you know a- after ten years with all the change that happens in, in Buffalo. You're telling me that the the exact same common council members and exact same common council districts are basically okay, right? Seems pretty far fetched. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and the and the I, the mayor also said because of course I had to go to the mayor then to be approved. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another like push by our city action and other people to get the mayor to veto it. Yeah, um, which he of course did not do. But in <laughs> I think in the Buffalo News article that um, covered the him you know approving it. Um, it quoted him as saying like, well, basically there weren't enough people who were in this group of like dissenters, like every, he, he took uh, silence from the rest of the entire population of Buffalo to mean consent, uh, which well, that's uh, right. But also if that many people who showed up t- to complain at the public hearing all showed up to his fundraiser with a thousand dollar check, he would listen to them. Then he would think that that's mm-hmm. an amazing turnout. Mm-hmm. If, if if he got like let you know fifty people to show up with thousand dollar checks, and 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 he didn't know who they were ahead of time, he'd be like, "I have a mandate from the masses." But they showed they showed up to yell at him, and uh, he was like, "Wow, they're just rabble rousers. So they're, they're just some fringe, right? They're just those. some, fr- yeah. and, and and that's not just the mayor. That goes for every single council member too. If all those people show up to one of their fundraisers with thousand dollar checks, they'd be like. I have to listen to them. They mm-hmm. are clearly acting in the interest of the vast majority of people. So uh, in the process of looking, reading about this, um, which I, I mean, I have been following it. Um, to, did this, does the city council try to read the bylaws, which of course I didn't read all of them. I don't even think it's that long of a document, which I was surprised about. Um, do they not have term limits? No, there's no term limits. At, at- so I would say, I, I mean, I believe this for everything, that term limits and campaign finance reform are like the only things that are going to move the needle on basically anything in this entire country. And that includes locally. Um, because if people were like, okay, I can only be in for three terms, they wouldn't be so goddamn concerned about the district maps. I mean, they would still be, you know, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't be like, Oh, this is, this is my career that's being threatened. It'd be right. like, it's not your freaking career, dude. Wow. <laughs> like, you I mean, for like six years or whatever. And I, then you got to get out. I, I, I agree str- uh, strongly with campaign finance. I disagree strongly with term limits because oh, maybe uh, we should have because that's uh, going to be a whole conversation. Well, well, it's, <laughs> I, I, it's too long be, because because I've worked in in 
politics, and I've been there with people who are newly elected to office, and their first two year, four years or so, they don't know what the hell they're doing, and basically they're being led around by either staffers who know what they're doing who aren't elected or by lobbyists and if you get term limits you're making that worse you're basically your career staff members and your lobbyists who aren't elected are going to make every single decision and your elected officials will never make any decision and because they're not because if you tell them that they only have two terms or three terms they don't have any impetus to actually take leadership and take over the ownership. I mean, some of them are going to do it anyways, but for the most part, what's going to be happening is that in the state in Albany, lobbyists are going to run the entire state even more than they do now. And across the the state, uh, it's going to be you know pieces of shit like me uh, who have been staff members who will be like who have been long term staff members. I'd be like, this is how you do this, and I know all the people. You don't know any of them. They're all going to talk to me because when you leave here in six years, I'll still be here. Mm-hmm. And now well, maybe. Maybe there can be a compromise where it's there are term limits, but they're long or, you know, they're like a mid length because I I mean, I just somebody being on city council or in Congress or whatever for like. 35 years is like, I, I don't love it. <laughs> um, and I mean, the lobbying thing is like a separate it's an integrated mm-hmm. issue, but it's a separate issue, which I think could be, you know, that would need to be taken care of concurrently. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think a bigger thing would be is if we made election day a national holiday and everybody got paid for election day, you wouldn't have to worry about term limits as much because you'd have a lot more turnover because people a lot more people would vote, yeah. get out and vote. Well, that and I I'm I also really favor um, shrinking down the amount of time that people can campaign for. I would love that so mm. much. If it was like you can only campaign for like three months. Yeah, <laughs> a, a, yeah, a European I'd be all about that European model of that would probably would be be uh, often better. Uh, campaign finance reform would be huge. Um, but yeah, I, term limits we could talk about it every day. We have, we've gone a field of yeah. the original. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, let's let's change to. Uh, uh, I, I have it noted as who wants to be a millionaire 43 North edition. Uh, so 43 North uh, announced their winners this year. Uh, five companies. Um, uh, I don't remember exactly what they do. Uh, MCAT, do you have your notes handy of what each uh, one of them is like? Uh, uh, never mind. Go ahead. Mm, I don't I didn't write that down, but okay. I have the I have the um, thing bookmarked. Hold on a second. Um, Agape Wellness from Rochester relationship wellness company that uses personalized questions to spark meaningful conversations. Right. Yeah. I think right now it's meant to be for like couples, but right. they're working toward platonic relationships and also like workplace relationships. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you, you basically like the, uh, like we talked about with uh, re a couple weeks ago with the be real uh, app uh, where like you get like, what are you doing right now? And the agape is basically like right now, ask your partner this question, talk to them about this topic uh, to, to build and, to, and develop your relationship. Um, AMPA works uh, from Santa Monica, which apparently I think they've already relocated or they yeah. have employees in Buffalo already, but it, um, it's to like handle inventory, especially for like health and health related yeah, companies, like doctors hospitals off, and stuff. Yeah, medical uh, inventory. Uh, and they're working on like, like robot, like, I mean, this one, like, it'll probably be very successful because it replaces paid workers with robots. Right. Yep. Uh, Mod Tech Labs from Austin, something to do with 3D, like modeling and 3D content. Yeah. Um, supposed to like really drastically reduce the amount of time it takes to produce 3D content yep i don't know how to pronounce this one otrophy from chicago ai i don't even understand what this is (laughs) don't maybe ryan does because ryan works in with technology ai powered saas supplier management platform with the ability to automate compliance and identify risks oh okay yeah that's some cybersecurity and risk management bullshit right real boring stuff and then food, which is P-H-O-O-D, because mm-hmm. you can't just have an app that's called food. Right. Because yeah. um, you can't trademark that. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, integrates with universities, card services to create a connection between students' flex dollar accounts and the gig economy. Basically, so people like students can use their like campus cash to pay for like DoorDash and stuff like that. Right. Yep. Probably will will never be profitable, but will put a lot of people living into poverty because it'll take money away from low paying jobs in like food service on universities and make them work in the gig community if they want to get that money instead. Awesome. Tremendous. I'm glad we gave them a million dollars. 
So, so I didn't, I would love to hear an in-depth discussion at some point of 43, the Buffalo, uh, the 43 North um, competitions. Cause yeah. I don't really know how it like, is it working? Like the whole point was to bring companies here and create jobs and, you know, get people, get companies to invest in Buffalo. I, I remember a story um, of, of one of the companies just staying here for their mandatory year mm-hmm. and then getting the hell out of town. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I know we, at, at my, one of my former jobs, we worked, we used a company that was a 43 North winner and they had, I think they only had one employee in Buffalo wow. at the point, wow. at the time that we were working yeah. with them. I, I hope yeah. that person made a million dollars that year. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, no, it's, uh, I'm too lazy to do the research on it, but you know, Rob Galbraith or Jeff Kelly, if you're listening, uh, let us know how past 43 North winners yeah. have impacted or not impacted the Western New York market. Well, there was a statement from the Empire State Development President who said that over 60% of 43 North's portfolio maintains a material presence in Buffalo, but that could just be one person. Right. Um, They also had said, you know, they've invested in 59 companies so far, 44% of which have founders of color. Okay. 28% have female founders, which I was like, I don't know if I would tout that number. That doesn't seem that high. Right. Yeah, it's, it's... I mean, that number is going to go down when Zeldin wins the governorship and uh, we're getting rid of all birth control and abortion. So, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So speaking of rich people, though, or, oh, here, or, yeah, or, or money, um, everybody's favorite, Terry Pagula. We all live in Pagulaville. We've officially changed the name of Erie County to Pagulaville. Um, jumped up 60 spots on the Forbes richest person list this year. Must be nice if, if if only everybody had the state of New York give them hundreds of millions of dollars, and the county say we also have hundreds of millions of dollars for you, then we all all too could also jump up sixty spots on the richest people in the world list. I would take one million dollars. I think Is I think that if, out there for me. I, I think if, if each of the three of us got one million dollars, we jump up more than sixty spots on the richest list. Yeah. Oh, hun- yeah. Yeah. I like. Uh, I I could think of like. 55 people immediately that I would be richer than because I would call all of them to let them know that now I have a million dollars and they don't. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so, so you, spite motivates you is what you're saying. Uh, no, no, spite would be a reward. Oh, a reward. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so t- Terry Pagula, you know, multi-billionaire, uh, everything's coming up for, other things coming up millhouse for Bagula. Yeah. The Bills are amazing. His daughter's ranked in the top ten in the world in tennis. The Sabres somehow are fucking winning. Yeah. Like I think the only exception is his wife has some kind of medical issue. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, that's you get you win some, you lose some. Two out of three ain't bad, right? Like uh, Terry Pagula looks a little bit like meatloaf. Uh what? <laughs> And, and then maybe he doesn't look like meatloaf to me at all. <laughs> well, he's, he's, or do you mean the food? <laughs> yeah, the it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. He's he's often catch, uh, covered in ketchup and onions, potato, potato. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and maybe you know, maybe Legend of Zelda wins and he gets to frack in New York State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, he wasn't the only one from around here who like le- leapt up the list. Um, actually, I don't know if these other people leapt up the list, but they're on the list. So it'd be Robert Rich Jr., who's mm-hmm. the Rich Products yep. executive chairman. He's 190th. Jeremy Jacobs Sr. of uh, Delaware North is at 271. And Tom Galasano, former Sabres owner and Paychecks. Paychecks? Yep. Is that his yep. company? Yep. Uh, 181. Yeah. Out of, all, out of those four people, uh, three of them live in Florida. And the other one didn't say where he lived. I don't know if he also lives in Florida. Hmm. Who didn't say where they lived? Uh, Rich, no, Jeremy Jacobs. Oh, Jeremy Jacobs. I, I think also lives in Florida because, like, that that's where he he famously like his family like almost destroyed a town because they wanted to like they somebody wanted to build prop something on their own property and the Jacobs used it as like their vacation area and they were like, well, we'll we'll just like murder you. What? Yeah. I never heard that. Oh yeah, there's Jacobs family. Very interesting uh, people. Uh, it's interesting to me. I've actually of those four people like Galasano like. People have kind of forgot because, like, we don't really care about him anymore. Like, unless you go to, like, or went to, like, Roberts Wesleyan where everything's named after him. Or Niagara Falls Medi- uh, Memorial Medical Center has a building named after him. Um, people have kind of forgotten about him. Rich really flies under the radar for he being does. as wealthy as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, obviously, Rich Project is huge and has been a mainstay on the west side for a long time. And he owns the Bisons. 
mm-hmm. and he owns uh, multiple minor league teams. Uh, um, and he owns uh, a soccer team, a football team, I guess, if you will, over in England as well. Because mm. uh, he had them come over and play FC Buffalo a couple years ago. Wow. Uh, but they're like, they're not, you know, they're not in the Premier League. They're like Division right. Four. Sure, I wouldn't assume. Um, but, uh, but I mean, yep. I mean, if he's that wealthy, he could potentially own a Premier League team, but he likes flying under the radar. I like yeah. owning the minor league teams. <laughs> right? So. Nothing. Well, speaking that. of the bills, uh, you know, us investing so much in the bills um, and the Pagulas, uh, we got a, we are now number two on uh, publicly funded NFL stadiums because the Titans Titans really, really buying in uh get two. I love that we kicked off this, uh, this trend, yeah. this horrible trend. Uh, and because people thought this trend was reversing because the uh, the new stadium in Los Angeles was built entirely with private funding, and people thought finally, like we're, like we're reversing this trend, and Buffalo and uh, Nashville were like, no, 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 hold our beers. Um, we boy, do we have. Well, you got to remember what prompted the LA thing is St. Louis would not pay right for their stadium, right? So. So, but, but that, but that, they, the they, they moved to Los Angeles saying, oh, well, St. Louis won't pay for our stadium and then built the stadium with no, <laughs> right. with no public money anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, the Titans are building a $2.2 billion stadium. And it's uh, $1.26 billion in public money. Yeah. It makes me want to barf. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then there's this uproar about the Pagulas. Well, I wouldn't expect them to, but not making this is uh, the stadium is, is, Eco-friendly as it maybe could be, and right? Sustainable. Uh, it's, and we're running out of time this week, but we'll, we'll 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 circle back around about the community benefits agreement. There was a press conference this week with a bunch of nonprofits. Uh, we we had a couple of our friends were there at the at the press conference. Uh, Brian Nowak was there. Uh, Randy Hoke was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people from CEJ were there. Um, so you know there was people that, that we consider friends um, were at this press conference about this community benefits agreement, demanding that, that this comes with funding and interest for the city of Buffalo. Um, let's see if it happens. You know, interesting to me that, you know, you had uh, suburban leadership there, but I didn't see a lot of city leadership at this press conference. Um, now that's just to say this was a different one. Obviously April Baskin in the County legislature, who is a city leader, has been very vocal and been very adamant about the CBA as well. Uh, but this particular one was about, you know, they're talking about a CBA, but they're leaving the nonprofit organizations, the independent organizations out of the discussions, those who hopefully should benefit from it or be at least be a stakeholder in the conversations. You got five minutes to talk about the new area. Code. Let's talk about the new area. Code. Okay. All right. Well, as I refer to it as 25 or six, two, four. You're a Chicago fan? Yeah. yeah <laughs> love Peter Cetera. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, new area code. Uh, are you going to turn in your phone, MCAT, and get a, a no. new 624 as soon as it comes no. out? I have two I have two numbers, actually, two 716 numbers, because I have a Google Voice number, too, for work. Mm. Uh, so, no, and I'm not giving up either of them. Mm. Uh, this is going to be such a blow to all the 716 uh, merch and Twitter accounts with 716 in their handles. Yeah. No, it's um and uh and also you know maybe uh it's a ludicrous will have to redo his song area codes. That's right. Yeah, it'll be a, a updated for uh for a new generation. I mean, it's not like seven one six is going away. Right. No, seven one six. I mean, it's just getting added to. Right. No, uh, seven one six. I, I mean, I I don't want a new area code. I I I used to have a, a non seven one six cell phone. My first cell phone I ever got was when I was working in the Hudson Valley. So I had like seven one eight or some nonsense. It was very close. Some nonsense, <laughs> right? Jesus, yeah, some make believe number. Yep. Um, no, it's, it's. I mean, I guess it's good that we're running out of numbers, or or is it right? Like, because like we're not growing that fast. So who are who's buying or who's getting all these seven one six numbers that we need? Probably, uh, P- probably Jim who buys houses at at every uh, post. Uh, uh, Power poster, like the, you know, those signs. Yep, you ever see those? Yes. Jim, yeah. I buy houses. Yeah. I don't. How would you like monetize? Let's just go down that like path and imagine someone is like buying them all up the way that real estate is getting bought up. Mm-hmm. H- how would you monetize? Like, how would you make out? 
if I mean, you were like buying or getting phone numbers. I mean, if I could get like 716-777-7777. Then you can, you could sell it to a, a law company. Right. That's, there are some, yeah. some, like there's some attorney I could, but uh, realistically what I would do is offer it to like you know, some unknown attorney's office and they'd be like, well, we can afford this. And then I call William Matar and be like, I have an offer for this. If you want to screw them so that they have to have an unrememberable number, I'll sell it to you for this instead. Mm-hmm. And then he owns all the numbers where it's just just where you can just fall asleep on your phone and it'll call him. So essentially, you would be doing what people do on the internet, <coughs> right? Just like buying up domain names that are yeah. likely to be right lucrative, mm-hmm. and then holding them hostage. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> I uh, I I get a, I get a story. If anybody who comes to the Christmas party, which I get, I do have to promote yeah. uh, on December second at Days Park Tavern. $30, we have got food. We've got two interviews, Rusty Weaver, India Walton. we got the band TV Mountain. Um, if you come there, remind me about one time when I was working on a political campaign and we, we bought domains. I've got a fun story that I'll tell people. I won't, I won't tell it over the, uh, the pod, but I'll tell it to people in, in person. Um, exclusive storytelling. Exclusive storytelling time. Uh, we can all get, uh, get our, our mats out and our chocolate milks and we can sit down for story time. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, 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 make sure you uh, get on. Uh, we've got the Eventbrite. There's a link in the Twitter. Uh, there, there's a, a Facebook event. Um, get some tickets. Uh, we we do have limited tickets for this. Uh, and then you know any of the anything after we pay for our expenses, all the money is going to go to Weedy for the West Side Bazaar. Um, uh, whether uh, probably hopefully to like pay the the merchants who can't uh, be open right now while they're transitioning to their new space. Uh, Ryan, you got anything closing you want to add? I'm good. I'm Kat. Nope. All right. I'm good. Well, well, thanks for joining us again. Your hair looks great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, It didn't work. Yeah, it looks (laughs) great anyway. Dye my hair. It didn't work. But thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm Diamond Jim. Try to do better next time. Welcome back, and thanks uh, to our guest this week, uh, now on the show for the second time, State Senator Sean Ryan. Great to be here. How are you folks doing? We're doing pretty well. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting pretty close to Election Day. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> I have. I've, uh, I've been counting the days, so um, I'm, I'm pretty keenly aware. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, thanks for taking some time out in the the really the peak part of campaign season uh, to join us and chat with us a little bit. Um, you know, speaking of campaign season, uh, when we talked to you last time, it was redistricting was going on. And we talked about, you know, how like you'd like to keep as much of your district as possible because you get attached to it. Well, obviously thanks to our special master that we had here, that didn't really work out. Uh, so you've got a dramatically different district in a lot of ways. Uh, what are like the unique challenges of running in that district? And, 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 and when you have something that's been changed that much. So, you know, my district was sort of unique in Erie County. It was a north and a south district. So I had, you know, of course, the city of Buffalo. But in the north, I had Tonawanda, city of Tonawanda and Grand Island. And then in the south towns, I had Lackawanna, uh, Hamburg and Orchard Park. So it was sort of a rarity. Uh, We often divide amongst uh, north-south. But the special master went back to dividing amongst amongst north-south. So, um you know, no more Hamburg in Orchard Park and hello uh, Amherst. Well, some of it's brand new. Um, you know, of course, Tondawanda is uh, adjacent to Amherst and so is Buffalo. So nothing all that dramatic, you know, but there's about a third of the constituency uh, that I haven't represented before all all in the town of Amherst. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, you're right. Like Amherst obviously does border. It's not like you got drawn in some weird map where you have Albion now or something crazy. Uh, right. Yeah. Not, no, no profound changes where, you know, I went, you know, all north, but, you know, up to Lewiston or something. Right. Uh, you know, that that would be, uh, you know, more of a holy cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a that would be brand new communities uh, in terms of even their their interests. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Amherst, uh, you know, you know, happy, happy to have it. Um, 
you know, the, 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 the big plus coming with Amherst, of course, is uh, the University of Buffalo is uh, mm-hmm. it's a it's a big driver uh, in, in Western New York. And um, I will then have, you know, Buffalo State College, mm-hmm. uh, Canisius and uh, University uh, uh, of Buffalo. Yeah, and and you know, and Amherst, you've got uh, an active, uh, good supervisor and supervisor culpa, um, somebody that you could work with. Not that you know, I mean, it's a shame for you to lose somebody like uh, Randy Hoke down in Hamburg, but uh, picking up culpa is not the worst trade. Yeah, I mean, you know, a supervisor culpa you know runs that 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 town like a, he's half a planner and then half a half a manager. Um, but his view on how Amherst should grow, you know, it's all informed by their uh, their town plan, which they have. And, you know, developer comes in, they're thinking about doing something on the intersection. Uh, Supervisor Copa shows him a, you know, sort of a form-based example of here's what's allowed under their current uh, zoning rules. Um, but he, he's so far ahead of the game in terms of uh, planning uh, the future uh, of Amherst. It's really uh, It's really something else. Well, speaking of uh, things that uh, are from a different time period, uh, maybe not the future, though, uh, one of the big issues, uh, certainly in not just your district, but across like the city and uh, some of the inner ring suburbs is lead poisoning and what we need to do to address some of those issues uh, in, in this, those regions or in those municipalities. Um, well, you know, what's your kind of take and, and how are like, do you want to see the state help the municipalities address uh, lead poisoning in the water system and, and in the interior and the paints and what have you? Yeah. Let, let's start with, you know, with, with lead paint. Yeah. Um, you know, almost every house that was built before the early eighties has lead paint in it, mm-hmm. but most of those houses are kept in really good condition. And uh, as a result, you know, there is no peeling paint. It's all been encapsulated by paint jobs over the generation. Uh, but we find in uh, certain areas uh, of the city, uh, certain areas of, of southern uh, Amherst and in Tondawanda, often in the older houses that are used as rentals, mm-hmm. we find that they're, they're not well-maintained. And because they're not well-maintained, the lead paint's not encapsulated. Um, and it, it's really a slow, it's like a slow moving car crash where every year the numbers, uh, you know, build up and build up, but kids who suffer lead poisoning, they don't recover from it. You know, it's, it's permanent organic brain damage. So we really need to, you know, to put a renewed effort on it, uh, you know, in Western, in Western New York to, uh, eliminate the scourge of lead poisoning. You know, we know how to do it. We just have that the will to get there. Right. And I bet your next question is going to be, well, how do we do it? Right. So, uh, so, I mean, I don't know, Ryan, how do we do it? Oh, well, you see. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the city of Rochester has really led the way in this and they put together a program where you can't rent out an apartment unless it's inspected every few years. And they just do a very cursory inspection. All they're looking for is lead hazards. So they're not going to bust your chops if you have lead paint in your house, because after all, so many houses have lead paint. Uh, but it's really is the lead exposed? Do you have peeling paint? You know, are your windowsills uh, a mess? And the city of Rochester and the University of Rochester, you know, they studied it, and well over half the cases of of uh, lead problems, it costs less than forty dollars to fix it. And that's really just, you know, going down in a basement and slapping some paint uh, up. Uh, you know, if you, so mm-hmm. landlords don't have to get fancy, uh, but we need to encapsulate it. And so hopefully, you know, this year we can put more effort uh, towards that. Because uh, really, you know, in the long run, the taxpayers pay a lot for this. Uh, because once kids are damaged by, by lead, there's special education costs that come involved. Uh, if the poisoning's pretty severe, uh, it also leads to... Uh, job training, uh, vested programs for when kids age age out of school. Uh, but the public is paying uh, really for bad maintenance on landlords' part. So uh, we as a community need to come together and try to fix this. So do you envision that to be like, like a statewide program or maybe some sort of initiative where you incentivize municipalities to take action? It, it's a it's a little bit of a mix and match. Um, so we lowered the lead 
lead blood level that's actionable uh, a few years ago, which means the county who does the health inspections uh, has to go out and inspect at a lower level. We were way behind the rest of the country and what was an actionable uh, level. Um, and then we need to incentivize uh, towns and cities to dedicate inspection resources towards this. Now, you know, we have a difficult time in, in Western New York, uh, but you probably wouldn't believe that, you know, areas outside of, say, Bath, New York, they don't even have building inspectors in those towns. And so if you have a problem with your landlord, you have to go sue under a contract claim as opposed to an inspector coming to your house and saying, hey, fix it up. Sounds like a, a dream scenario for Archer Dan Daniels Midland to have no inspectors around. That's right. Sometimes <laughs> we see what happens when there's no inspection. Um, but so speaking of, you know, like, the uh the properties rental properties especially where this this issue you know this kind of leads into another issue like a thing that we've been talking about um you know buffalo as everybody knows you know the last census had actually some population growth most of that coming from or probably almost entirely coming from new americans who tend to be more susceptible to say renting these properties where lead isn't encapsulated uh but, you know, what are we going to do to continue to encourage new Americans and that kind of population growth in the city of Buffalo? Well, you, you really hit the nail on the head. Is, you know, Western New York population is growing, uh, but it's growing because of, uh, you know, for, foreign born, uh, whether it's refugees or, or immigrants coming in. So we've been subsidizing uh, refugees coming into America for the last uh, few, few years. Um, right now, uh, if a refugee comes into America, you know, the process, it's a United Nations process through the State Department. So, you know, visualize political unrest in Thailand or, or Burma. Uh, people uh, get chased out. They go to a third party, Thailand. They stay in a displaced persons camp, often for a number of years till they're screened. And then one day, the United Nations walks down, the you know, your lane and says, congratulations, you know, you're going to buffalo and your neighbor next door might be going to helsinki finland mm -hmm. um so when you come to america as a refugee you get 90 days of resettlement assistance through places like catholic charities uh, jewish family services or international institute so we put some together some money at the state level so those agencies can supplement those services to help people past 90 days I mean, imagine, you know, showing up in a, a, a brand new country, no language, uh, traumatized and saying, we're going to help you for 90 days. Uh, then you're on your own. So we want to make it so we can uh, assimilate people into our culture, our education, our economy uh, faster. Um, so we'd like to continue, you know, th that funding. And the other thing we've found out is that a lot of the refugees who come to Buffalo are called are what we call secondary migrants. You know, they may have been assigned to Charlotte or, or Peoria, uh, but through the wonders of Facebook, they're still in touch with people from their home country uh, who were settled in other places in America. And they're speaking the wonders of Buffalo. Mm -hmm. So we've got people moving from other parts of the country to come into Buffalo. We want to continue that. In order to do that, we're going to have to continue funding these refugee resettlement organizations, you know, to get them to, to put the word out mm -hmm. uh, that Buffalo is a, a great place uh, for new Americans and help people come here. Yeah, I, mean, it's, it's, I know personally for us here on the show, like that's an important uh thing you know last year we did a christmas party um we gave all the money we raised to vive uh, to the vive shelter oh great this year we're doing a christmas party on december 2nd at days park tavern we've got a couple of interviews and a band and we're going to give all the money to weedy for the west side bazaar to help them rebuild which again is another organization that you know as most people you know know especially people who listen to our show um give some opportunities to new americans yeah, I mean, the, the West Side, uh, you know, Bazaar through Weedy is just an incredible uh, organization. You know, they've been over on Ferry Street for a good number of years. They had a fire. Um, but, you know, the same year as the fire is when they're moving into a, a new and improved right. uh, you know, Bazaar. So right now they're, you know, trying to take care of their vendors who are burnt out in the fire while building uh, their, their new location. 
you know, and that that gets around. It's almost like you know the forty three North competition where yeah. people start talking about it and they start talking about Buffalo. Well, that's how we, you know, the refugee community talks about Buffalo. Like, like, wow, it's a great place uh, to live. I was recently at a community event, and I met met these three young guys in in their early twenties, and they're from Somalia. And I was chatting with them, and you know, how long do you live in Buffalo? And the three guys said, well, we just moved here. We were resettled in Washington state. And, you know, we didn't really like it very much. The community wasn't welcoming and there wasn't many Somalis around. But through Facebook and the Internet, they figured out that there was a a good Somali population in Buffalo. These three young guys got on a Greyhound, went from Washington state to Buffalo. And they say they're really, really happy with the move that they made. That's great. That is, that is a much longer trip on 90 than I would ever take. <laughs> yeah, that, that is that is a trip, right? <laughs> the length of the 90, almost. Pretty much the, yeah, yeah, pretty much the length of the 90. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, increasing access and increasing uh, services for people, um, you know, one of the things that is going to become, and it's already showing how important it is, and it's only going to become more important because um, as – you know, technology advances and as we keep growing into the 21st century here is access to broadband. It's, it's an educational necessity. And, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, what I used to always talk to Assemblyman Burke about uh, when he was in the county legislature is, you know, selling, you know, like maybe even municipal broadband if as, as a possibility is that, you know, the government built canals. Famously, the Erie Canal here in Buffalo, you know, helped build rail, railways, Help build the highway system because that was the way commerce was handled interstate. That's that's how we, we moved goods. The internet is how commerce happens now. That is how goods are moved. And you know, if we just continue to rely on the private sector to do it, we're we're basically turning over the control of commerce to the private sector. Uh, but so, talk to me about expanding broadband access and maybe some uh, competition in the in Western New York. So uh, who is happy with their broadband? You know, no constituents ever come up to me and said, oh, I'm so happy with my broadband. It really works. Really, all you hear is complaints and people tell you, oh, my kids come home from school. Suddenly there's no broadband anymore in my neighborhood. You know, can't download a clip of the Sabres game. It takes forever. So we see that everywhere at, at every level. And it's just what you said. It's because... We've given internet over uh, to the private sector, and boy, they have not delivered for the consumer. You know, you mentioned throughways and canals, but also think, you know, telephones. Mm-hmm. If the telephone companies only gave service where where it would be profitable, nobody would have been ever linked to the telephone. But governments throughout the country regulated the telephone providers, and they said, you know, if you want to provide service to Syracuse, New York. You also have to provide service to, you know, Lake Placid and all points in between. So you could not be denied a, a telephone copper line uh, if, if you wanted one. And that's how we linked America together. Mm-hmm. The internet companies are just the opposite. You know, they're only going where they, where they think it's the most profitable. And government really isn't making them, you know, to do uh, much better. You know, they really lobbied for, you know, let the private sector take over and boy, you'll love the the outcome, but we don't love the outcome. So I've been working on this issue for years and under a uh, former governor uh, who is, you know, you can't mention his name anymore. He's like Voldemort. <laughs> so he, you know, he always touted that 98% of New York had was connected and had quality internet. We all knew that wasn't true. Um, so I worked very closely uh, with my colleague from the assembly in Queens, Neely Rosick, and we pushed a bill through that mandated that the Public Service Commission do a granular level map <clears throat> of every address in New York State. And the map's done, and it, it's a wonderful tool because it shows you not just who has actual connectivity, the quality of your connectivity, and what you're paying, how it compares uh, to others. And, you know, we're discovering that low-income communities pay more for their internet, Mm -hmm. for a uh, lower 
level of service. Um, and that's why, you know, the people from Queens, the people from Buffalo and the people in really rural New York State, one area that we all have in common is that none of us are happy with our providers. So my goal is to have the map be used to build out the Internet as we're building it out with uh, some of the federal government money. But ultimately, we need to regulate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, water is regulated. Electricity is regulated. Your natural gas is regulated. Your telephones regulated. I mean, when have you ever heard anyone say, yeah, my electricity is pretty good. It works most days. I mean, not only in Texas. That's right. That's right. Right. But, <laughs> but we've come to sort of expect that Internet is something that doesn't have to be reliable. You know, we need to flip the script on that and make it so Internet's like water. If you don't have it, then the provider is going to be fine. Um, you know, you hear stories all the time about, you know, neighborhood, a small community's Internet went out. took 14 days to get it back on. You know, imagine if you're trying to take courses from your house, run a business from your house, seek uh, telemedicine. You're like, that only works if we have a good Internet system. So I think we need to regulate it. Make it so just like when National Grid wants a price increase, they come in front of the Public Service Commission, they explain why their, their rates need to get up, and they make a decision on it. You know, right now we're at the will of, of, of companies like Spectrum, and boy, who wants to be uh, at, at their will? That, that's yeah. not right. No, I mean, you're 100%. I, I don't know anybody who's like, like met Spectrum, five stars, uh, love them. Like, I wish I could get Spectrum gear to wear around because I'm so happy with my <laughs> internet provider or Verizon or whoever. Like, and, and I, the other thing that I think you're, you're dead on with is that, like, you know, it has to be considered a utility. It, it, it maybe in like the late 90s and people considered it kind of like a luxury that you didn't need, but that's not the case now. Like, if you have kids in school, they need to have access to, reliable internet or else they're going to fall behind if if you if you have a job basically at all you're like you probably are you know doing some remote work you know especially we as we saw during the, the height of the pandemic people were doing a lot of remote work you needed access to that and you know if you want to have any chance of becoming a small business owner you need to have access to uh, your reliable broadband. It's not something that people can view as a luxury anymore. Um, it, it actually, it literally is a utility. It's something that, um, I mean, uh, I'm glad that you want to regulate it. Personally, I think, and you know, Ryan, you can speak to this. Yeah. We would love to see it municipally owned, oh, but yeah. that might be that might be a couple <laughs> steps down the road. I, look, I think we can do both. I mean, there's municipally owned uh, power generation systems throughout mm-hmm. New York State. You know, they, they, they work well. They provide the community with low-cost uh, power. So I, I definitely think uh, we can we can do both. And if you go to your example of, you know, no one's wearing Spectrum merch, I kind of want to get a Spectrum shirt made saying I love Spectrum <laughs> and ask you to walk around with it for a day yeah. to see what kind of public reaction you're going to get. Right. No, it's, but where you do see that is places where they do have uh, Muni broadband, like, like Vermont, like Burlington, or like Knoxville right? Tennessee, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. where they have muni- like those people like, are legitimately enthused and happy about their, their broadband service. Sure. Uh, but so and spe- before, and before yep. the president Biden was elected, you know, the, it was always a question of how much municipalities could do under the FCC rules. Uh, but Biden, Biden's FCC came out very clear that, you know, states can regulate and, and states, states can provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that there could be some of the, the future in there. And going back to your idea of even schools, every kid gets their homework assignment now on the internet. Yeah. If 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 mom or dad or whoever, you know, there, there's a question of, oh, what what was Billy's homework today? No one calls the teacher anymore. They go on to the, the fourth grade website mm-hmm. and it tells you exactly what the homework was. And you go around Buffalo and other areas and you see libraries after they're closed has people in the parking lot. And volunteer fire departments, when they're closed, people's in the parking lot. And what they're doing is downloading internet. Yeah. Somehow they don't have it reliable in their house and they're downloading their kids' assignments. And that is not the hallmark of a modern country. No. 
And it's not just their homework, but like even before the school year starts, what supplies do do I have to get for my child? Well, I I have to go online to find it out because they're not going to print it out and send me like a a faded blue uh, hand facsimile that they're going to give me on the first day of school anymore. Like you, you actually have to go and see what you need to pick up. No more mimeograph machines. Right. Yeah. To bring in. Right. That's what the, I, I when I was in like fourth grade, they had that the memo, the one mimeograph machine for the entire school was uh, in the back of my classroom, so I got to inhale those fumes for oh, the entire year. So you. I'm sure that yeah. probably didn't do any damage. That's going back to the lead paint. I, yeah. yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it helped much. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you that. But last last fall, I did a tour around the state to talk to urban and rural areas about their internet. And it's unbelievable because everyone thinks they're the only ones with internet problems. They don't realize that it's a statewide issue and consumers everywhere are, you know, are suffering it under it. But at one of the hearings, uh, the head librarian from the Lake Placid library came and I was kind of surprised until she testified. And it turns out the largest internet provider in the Lake Placid area is the public library system. They, they have hotspots. You know, we drive around with a bookmobile. They drive around with the internet mobile, mm. all designed to make it so, you know, their people in their catchment area, which is geographically really large, um, can get internet. And mm-hmm. They said they would love to be out of the internet provision uh, business and, you know, get into some other businesses, but they're filling the gaps. But we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't have to put them in that spot, right? Right, yep. Speaking of uh, making sure that people have access to things they need, um, you know, one of the, the major things that's happened in this country this year uh, was the Supreme Court overturning uh, Roe versus Wade. Right. Um, and, you know, talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, the fight for ensuring uh, abortion rights in New York State. Sure. So I never thought the Supreme Court would overturn Roe versus Wade. You know, I always sort of thought it was, you know, sort of a political boogeyman that both sides use, but it seems so well settled. You know, my my mom had access to birth control and in abortion services. Um, and the thought that her granddaughters won't have the same rights that she did, uh, it's just sort of beyond comprehension. Uh, but you see what's happening in states, you know, all over the country, they're banning abortion, even at the health and the safety uh, of, of a woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really, really shocking. I never thought we'd, we'd be here. I know everyone said, oh, it's going to be the handmaiden's tale. It's going to go backwards. Uh, but usually in America, we, we don't go backwards. But we took a giant leap backwards. You know, that's for sure. So in New York State, by legislation, you know, we essentially codified Roe versus Wade. Um, but that's only a protection that lasts only as long as legislators and governors agree with that. Mm-hmm. It's something that could be taken away at a, at a, you know, if there's a switch uh, in, in control. Um, you know, I know Zeldin has signed on when he was a Congress member to very, very restrictive uh, abortion uh, services that, you know, by federal law. So, we're promoting a referendum in New York State to make access to women's health care part of our constitution so that no new governor, no new Senate or assembly you know, could take it away. We, we would end the conversation uh, in, in New York State, make it less of a sort of political football where, you know, if if the Republicans get in control, you know, they'll promise to roll back uh, abortion. Now, we all know the polls show that, you know, abortion is something that, you know, a large majority of Americans think is is necessary and the government shouldn't interfere with. So we just want to make sure that uh, that stays the right uh, in New York state. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's I think it's I think it's much appreciated by, like you said, the, the majority of the large majority of Americans, the even large majority of Empire State residents. Um, are uh, in favor of making sure that there is safe and legal access to abortion. And, and, and and then I mean, the, the, the right, the conservative right, isn't looking to just stop abortion. Like you mentioned, like they're looking to get rid of birth control and and everything you possibly can. 
um, you know, for, I wouldn't want to speculate the reasons. I mean, you know, you, you just think what you're living now is how it's always been. Uh, but you know, my, my grandmother had 10 kids mm-hmm. um, and my mother and all my aunts had two or three. And there's one reason there was a large change in family sizes is because, you know, my mom had access to uh, birth control and was able to control her reproductive health. Uh, but it wasn't always that way. You know, it was it, just in the 70s, right? Where yeah. Control was outlawed in many states. Like you, you couldn't buy a condom. Uh, pharmacists were, were were arrested for, for selling condoms. Um, I don't. I can't really close my eyes and imagine why people want to go back to that. Yeah. All right. Well, we've had you on for a while, so I don't want to keep you too long, but uh, we, I'm sure we have listeners who are in your, your district that you're running in. Uh, so I'll give you like, you know, a quick 30 seconds to just address directly them. Everybody else, turn it off. We're done. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for that opportunity. We have a lot of challenges uh, in New York state. Um, I've been in office for, you know, for 10 years. Um, I'm going to continue to focus on, you know, areas of the economy. You know, we're, we know right now inflation uh, is, is a major uh, concern. You know, you, all you have to do is go fill up your gas tank or go to the store and, and that that's right there uh, for you. That, you know, the buying dollar is going down. We need to continue to invest in public safety, uh, public uh, education, um, and we need to keep reproductive rights you know, safe and legal uh, in New York state, you know, and the other thing we need to do is just embrace the environmental changes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to reduce our reliance on, on carbon. Uh, You know, we, we live near one of the largest hydro producers in the world uh, and we're just so used to it, but you know, Western York's a pretty green place because most of the electricity we burn comes from mother nature and doesn't contribute uh, to carbon. Uh, but there's going to be some changes going on in the economy as the auto industry switches uh, to electric. We want to make sure that we capture the jobs that go along with it. And the General Motors engine plant you know, stays the General Motors engine plant. But instead of producing uh, carbon uh, motors, they're going to be producing uh, electric motors. So I think the, uh, the future is, is good on all those counts. I think we can grow our economies uh, w- with that. So. Help me as an optimist uh, for how New York State uh, is going to embrace the future. All right. Well, that's that's great. Uh, uh, that's all we've got for you today. Uh, we look forward well, to having you. Do me a favor and yeah. let me know when you do your event at Days Park. I'd like to come by. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll like let you guys know. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're pulling for you uh, in a couple of weeks. I think it's what the 8th of November. Is that Election Day this year? That's right. 8th of November, uh, or, you know, early voting starting uh, soon. So yep. uh, everyone check their mailboxes. They're going to get some mail. Follow uh, <laughs> the political ads are all over TV. Right. It's yeah. a very, very important race. And we need everyone to go out there and exercise their constitutional rights by voting. Cool. All right, everybody. Uh, Senator, thanks again for joining us. And we'll have you on again next year. Excellent. Great talking to you both. Okay, talking to you.